There's not a lot that I can relate to in this world. People here are, well, people generally, and me not so much. But I relate to you. I hate being alone. I don't like being left with my own thoughts such as they are. Same. <laughs> I need friends. One way of making friends is not murdering everyone you meet. Yes. Fact. You get my dilemma, but you're like me. Josh said so. A bad friend and a good friend at the same time. How do you do it? I have no choice. You were friends with Elliot. Very best friends. Now you can be friends with me. It'll be the same. You can show me how to be more like him. No. I love Elliot. I would do anything for him, even help you, but you and I, we won't ever be friends. Unless you let me talk to him. Prove he's still alive in there. I can't do that. But you could let him go. You could choose a new body. But I like this one. I like the way people I mean, look at me. Who doesn't like that body? And you and your friends care so deeply about what happens to it. Why would I ever leave it? On that cheery note, hi everyone, and welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And this week we're talking about episode 403, The Bad News Bear, written by David Reed. Uh, before we dive in, I just want to give a recap of what happens. These recaps are getting longer and longer, by the way, so you're just going to have to forgive me. Um, at the end of last episode, Kimber, a.k.a. Julia, and Todd, a.k.a. our favorite nautical nudity connoisseur, destroyed Fogg's battery, killing the witness protection spell that he cast on the heroes of the quest for the Seven Keys, or as Danny likes to call them, the Scooby Gang. As a result, <laughs> the monster, a.k.a. Jennifer, a.k.a. I don't want to see that dude's unhappy shirt, discovers that Quentin still cares for his friends and decides to kill them, because that makes sense. Uh, luckily, Margot's just returned from a surprise visit to Fillory, and she has something the monster wants even more, Bacchus. She, Josh, and Jennifer return to Fillory <laughs> to find him, leaving Katie, Penny23, Julia, and Quentin to get out from under Marina's clutches and get their hands on some magic. After Penny phones a friend, he and Katie head off to steal a library black card while Quentin is left with Julia and the eponymous Bad News Bear, a teddy bear full of enough bad luck to compensate for every good spell Penny's friend Frankie has ever cast. What could go wrong? So, Danny, what'd you think? It was a very fun episode. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> It... It was reminiscent of, like, Bank Heist mm -hmm. episode, but probably not quite as ridiculous. Um, I, I do think things turn out pretty well for them, in this episode at least. Well, except maybe for Quentin. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I also really liked it. I mean, you know that I love heists. I mean, I love heists in general. Um, I don't know if I told you this, but the weekend our, our dog Molly died, we rented like five heist movies and watched them all just like end to end in a row. Because like nothing is going to make you feel, I don't know if it's like more alive or just like it's compensating for like any bad feeling you have. Um, yeah. Like a heist will. <laughs> my, my solution for depression like watching or like being sad I would just watch things that for some reason make me more sad I don't know why I do that but there's a whole there's a whole podcast episode I think it's like an episode of this American life that's about just that yeah like I, I just like I'm like how can I like exhaust the tears and then just get over it because I'm like I've made myself so fucking sad to a point where I'm like yeah well you know <laughs> I can't be more sad than that. <laughs> Probably a much healthier reaction than like trying to extract your emotions and put them in a corner and like throw some blankets on them so no one will see. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, back to the episode. I mean, I really love heist movies and I just I love that like Katie and Penny are like the Bonnie and Clyde in this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it made me really sad though because like I I just realized I think in this episode that Katie just, like, really still hasn't gotten the fact that that's not her penny. Like, it's just, like, mm. she still talks to him as if it's her penny, but it's not. 
Do you, so you think like she still seems like she's in love with him? I don't know if necessarily she's in love with him, but she definitely like she still talks to him like as if he knows her. Hmm. Like, like when in the episode, he, she mentions like, oh, like Marina killed my mother. Like the way she said oh, yeah. it to him was like as if he knew that already. But Penny does not know that. It is pretty sad. I really liked her, like the end for her, though, right? Like when she just kind of decides to take charge. I like it, but I just know it's going to reap very very negative consequences. <laughs> Are you sure, though? I mean, I feel like... Yeah, because even Frankie's like, this shit's gonna run out of juice, like, real quick. And she pockets the card, I'm like, it could end up doing the opposite at some point. It could give her the bad luck. Uh, it's possible. I hope not, though. I feel like she she needs to get a break at some point. <laughs> She'll get a break for a little while, but I just know that it's gonna, at some point... Yeah, come back to bite her in the butt. Come back to bite her. Especially when Marina, like, you know... Marina Wolf, exact summer revenge. <laughs> yeah, I think it, if Marina didn't didn't enact some kind of revenge, she wouldn't be Marina. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were saying when we were talking about this before in your notes uh, that you really liked the idea of like a Margot Marina ship. Yeah, I think that they're both like so. Like, I know a lot of people out there for some reason, ship like Marina with like either a Julia or B Katie, which makes zero fucking sense. But she hasn't wronged Margo enough to where I could be like, I can't like, they can't be together. Wouldn't like it's, it's less toxic that way. I think any combination with Marina is probably toxic, but I can get behind that one. <laughs> what do you think Marina's alignment is? Because she makes that comment about how, like, they're too lawful good, which obviously she doesn't know what she's talking about. But <laughs> She's definitely chaotic evil. Really? <laughs> I was thinking she might be, like, true neutral. Because she's very, like, out for whatever helps her. True. But I don't know. That's I true, because she, like, true neutral is sometimes the most chaotic people to deal with. So mm -hmm. I could see that. I could see either one, <laughs> but she's, you're, you're probably more right. <laughs> I'm probably not. I, I know way less about D and D than you do, but <laughs> I don't know as much as I like to let on. Um, so we might need someone else's opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> should get my, fr I should get my friend Taylor. She teaches a class on D and D on role playing games. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Anthropologist, man. Um, okay, so heist, love it. Um, the other thing that I really, really love is the push game with Lionel. I just, like, fucking died when I saw that because that's... Well, first of all, it's, like, it is a thing straight from the books, even if they made some, like, minor tweaks to the context around it. Yeah, true. And there are all these great little details from the books, too, like the bird and, um, like, the Alice Queen of Hearts, which I hope everyone notices. Yes. Oh, man. I I don't even think I made a note about it because I was just like, by the time I got to that point in the episode, I was just like, man, I've like combed over this episode like too much. <laughs> Why, you weren't like looking for plum in that somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I knew she wouldn't be there. <laughs> if they're going to do, if I think I've, I've come to terms with at this point, either plum is never going to happen or if she does happen, it's not going to be until like end game of the show. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really liked the push game. And it's also, it's nice to see Quentin working with cards again, because it's been so long. Oh, yeah. There's always got to be, like, that callback to Quentin and his cards. I know. I also really liked the conversation when they're like, are you the efficient car or the, like, speedy car? And he's like, I'm a nice, reasonable midsize. And they're like, what? And all the friends are like, which one explodes all the time? <laughs> Which one is it that explodes all the time? Isn't it a Prius? That explodes? Yeah. No. I mean, technically all cars explode all the time because that's how internal combustion works. But <laughs> um, what are some of the other things that you wanted to call out? Well, I wanted to point out something from episode one that everyone seemed to have missed was the fact that Irene McAllister is running for like governor or something like that. Of New York. Oh, yeah. It's I like in we, a newspaper ad. We didn't have, we never called it out in our podcast. I didn't even notice it until like after air. I didn't notice it either. Somebody mentioned it on Twitter recently, right? Someone mentioned it on Twitter, and I think Maddie pointed it out on his blog. 
I think it was like some like random, like an online blogging thing, like was the first thing that I saw pointed out, like, cause they posted the pictures too. Like they, they like zoomed in and posted the picture and I was like, dang, I don't know how I no- like didn't notice that. You said, is she running for governor of New York? Is that what you said? She's governor, Senate, something, something important. I would have to look it up. Why do you think she would? Like, what do you, like, I mean, she's always cared about magic, like power in the magical realm, but why do you think she cares now about, mat- about like power in the non-magic, in the muggle realm? I'm not sure. She's evil. That actress always plays evil. It's pretty great. Um, <laughs> I actually was super into Midnight Texas recently, which unfortunately got canceled. Um, and she was this like thousands and thousands of years old, like evil witch. And she like took a like, control over the town, hmm. the Midnight Texas. And she, she was so evil. She's just really good at it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she'll show her face again at some point this season. If it was Senator, I wonder if she could be, like, running for Senator Gaines' old seat now that he's... Oh, potentially. That would be, like, a... There'd be, that would be, like, a cool, weird kind of circular move for the show. Yeah. They mention her a lot, like, just offhand, the McAllisters or her. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming she'll show up at, again at some point. Um, maybe not even this season, like, a big bad later on. Yeah, I still feel like there's... There's part of me that doesn't fully understand her motivations. Like, obviously, she wants personal power and personal wealth, but, like... She's from this, like, really ancient mm -hmm. old family in the wizarding community, though. Wizarding community. Magician's community. It makes me think of, like, all the old southern slaveholding families that, like, have just lived off of the wealth that they made off of slavery for, like... Which makes sense for her being a politician, then. Yeah, well, and she (laughs) did have slaves, so I guess (laughs) that makes sense, too. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what her, like, motivations are in a run, but it could have also just been, like, a joke, like, a background joke at the same time. Yeah, I don't think it would be a joke. I feel like that's got there's got to be something like that's got to come back into play because we just well, you're right. I remember keep- like in the in the trailers they had like the like like the super 1984 like vibe going on for some of it. So yeah, and I mean like she teamed up with the librarian with Fog, but I I think it was pretty clear even in the finale last season, right? Like she is trying to get around playing by the rules that they've established together, right? Like she would have killed them if Fogg hadn't like stepped in and been like, you remember, you promised. She still wants to, she still wants to kill them. And she probably would have had he not erased all their memories. That's why like even uh, Julia at the beginning of this episode is like, talking to him and then he was mm-hmm. just like you know Irene McAllister is gonna come after you she doesn't give a shit that you like have god power like she's gonna find a way yeah I just I I feel like that's gonna be a big arc at some point this season she doesn't give a shit about what the library wants or what Fog wants or what anybody wants like she really only cares about her own game and that's why I feel like it's so I, I really want to know what it is like I want to know what it is that she cares about other than ensuring that, like, she is able to continue to use magic. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to know more than anything right now. I'm assuming she's trying to find find maybe, like, a different kind of magical creature source for her own gain. Hmm. Maybe that's a... I don't know. I feel like there have been a bunch of hints about... um, well, first, I think there have been a bunch of hints about a, like, new relationship from Margo, which I'm pretty sure has to be Josh. Um, and then... Uh, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. pretty much confirmed it. Just, like, they've, they've in a way confirmed that, and they've also pretty much confirmed, like, Penny and uh, Stella. I mean... Penny so. and Julia. <laughs> Julia will be happening at some point this season. <laughs> But I think also, like, so the other thing that, like, made me think, the thing that made me think that in the trailer there was that scene that looked like it was, like, some creature looming over Margot, 
And they also mentioned that, like, Josh's sexually transmitted lycanthropy is going to be coming back. So that's one of the other reasons yeah. I think they're together. But I wonder if, like, werewolves are going to be the creature. <laughs> Maybe. Is just going after. This will be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, on to other things. Um, speaking of, like, weird plot lines that are, well, not weird plot lines, but, like, plot lines that are, like, through arcs from season three. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about the monster a lot this season, but in this one, like, seeing him take whatever the fuck that weird, like, glowing kidney thing is <laughs> out of Bacchus, the, like, speech he gives is so creepy and really does make it sound like... Uh, like fuck, like the the monster prison that is like related to a lot of that old Greek myth, and that um, we were talking about when we were trying to think about like, is this the Titan Amaki last season? And then he mm-hmm. also makes that he like he says that thing about how like you and I have the same father. Is that what he says? I think so. I think so. So, oh, I can't believe I didn't do this before this episode, but yeah, like. Who is Bacchus's father? I assume, yeah, he's the last god to join the Twelve Olympians, it says. Mm -hmm. So, like, that also makes it seem like there's going to be some some weird shit. Is his father Kronos or Zeus? Son of Zeus and Semele. Or Zeus and Persephone. Zeus and Persephone. So I'm assuming I'm a Persephone. OLU. (laughs) Um, So... I'm, I'm like, when the fuck are we going to meet Zeus? Like, that's the real question. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> or, like, Poseidon even would be a great one. Uh-huh. We also have to have Hades back at some point, obviously. Um, I'm just, like, this is crazy. Like, it's, there's so much God stuff going in. And then, like, I'm assuming that these, like, the monster, who's, like, the only one of its kind left, apparently, because he ate them all. Okay, so sorry, I'm like, I have this Wikipedia page for Dionysus open, and here's the thing it says. It says, according to a myth, I don't know what, it's Wikipedia, bear with me. The Titans (laughs) lured Dionysus with toys and wanted to eat him. When Zeus found out it was too late and they'd eaten everything except his heart, Zeus put the heart in the womb of Semele and he was born again. Like, there's some, okay, I mean, we know Greek myth is fucked up shit, but like, (laughs) sorry, continue on your way. I just got excited by that. So you're thinking, you're thinking the monster's Dionysus? I don't, no, no, no. I mean, Dionysus is Bacchus, right? Like, but I I was thinking he might be one of the Titans if the Titans were the ones that like ate Dionysus. Yeah, yeah. He's probably one of the Titans, which is Kronos. Yeah, I don't know, dude, this, (laughs) I, I feel like we need to have a long chat with Kat. Like maybe she might have some insight with us for us. Yeah. I mean, she's going to tell us that everything is, I I mean, the thing is, right. Like I know, I know that it's not going to be as simple as like any myth that actually exists in the world, but I keep looking for that meaning because I want to be able to. But it also like could be at the same time. Like it could be (laughs) something really simple and we're just like completely overlooking it. Um, That's why. I think we're like gaslighting ourselves about it. (laughs) All I know is that like, I don't think this show has been this brutal since season one. What do you mean? Well, I mean, obviously the like Julia scene at the end of Mm. season one is probably as most fucked up as the show will ever get. But I mean, like season one, we had like, the fucking beast ripping out Fog's eyes and drawing a mm. smiley face. I will never forget that that's in the fucking <laughs> highlight of this show. Because um, it's even, like, in my opinion, that's more brutal than what actually went down with the beast in the books. So <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, we're, we're in for a ride. Um, but I just don't think the show has been that brutal since season one mm-hmm. with, like, the monster just like ripping into like the chest of all these gods and just like taking out their pieces. It's yeah. kind of gross. And it is. So I, I have like, when I was thinking about my MVP, um, I was thinking about like how I think a lot this season, like even so far, like we're only in the third episode, but 
it's so easy to overlook how amazing Hale's performance is because it's there constantly. But he's yeah. an incredible villain this season. <laughs> he makes he is. He makes a great monster. He's so fucking creepy. And like that scene, that scene that I played the clip from at the beginning with him and Margot, it's it's unbelievably terrifying to watch, like psychologically terrifying in a way that nothing has been on the show. Yeah, probably since season one. Yeah, I cannot imagine what it would be like to see your friend that way. And I know a lot of people have been like, well, you know, like just she should just have killed him or whatever. And I'm just like, no one understands a what it would be like without Elliot, but also b like then the show wouldn't have a plot point for the whole season. (laughs) I kind of wonder if that's going to be, if like the death of a friend is going to be the thing that bonds um, Josh and Margot because she has essentially forced him to, he doesn't kill Bacchus directly, but he definitely is responsible for Bacchus's death. Uh, Yeah. She forces Josh to give him the ambrosia, which leads to his death, but he has to do it. Right. And similarly, she has to live in this world where she's trying to undermine this monster who could very, very easily as she does that kill her best friend in the whole world who is Elliot, right? Who may already be dead. And so I, I kind of wonder if like, if the thing that's going to bond them is the sort of fucked upness of having to undermine the person you care about most. Especially it's like, the thing is, is like, like he has no reason to be talking about like betraying a friend. Like he betrayed all of them in season one mm-hmm. when he left with Victoria, he put Victoria above them. So it's like the same thing. Like, you know, Margot is putting Elliot before Bacchus, who she doesn't care about, but... Speaking of friends who abandon things, you had a note about Todd disappearing. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I thought it was really odd that Todd just, like, disappeared after the last episode. He was in it so much. (laughs) He, He sees Julia come back into herself, and I was like, like, where is he? Shouldn't he have, like, a crazy reaction to it actually being Julia? Like, I feel like he should. He should. Um, he should have some reaction. Yeah. I kind of like, wonder, you'd, though. Th- you'd think he would have followed her to, like, help the gang out or something, you know? I don't know. I mean, I know he has obligations to Fog at this point. He probably yeah. can't just ditch school. Um, I just feel like he's he's more important than than they make him out to be. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, we got it last season, Josh talked about we sort of got Josh's speech from Venice in the books where he's talking about how everyone underestimates him. But I feel like in the show, that is a much more accurate representation of how people treat Todd. Like Todd is yeah, yeah Todd is treated as this like comic relief character who he he is actually really knowledgeable. Like there, there were a few episodes in season three where they'd be talking about something and he would just come up with the answer off the top of his head, just like yeah, sitting even in a corner. In season one, he was the one that was able to uh, translate for them with the genie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that reminds me a lot of Josh's black hole spell and like all of the things that he, in the books, Josh is really powerful. He just has no control over it. Like, he never knows what it is that he's doing right or wrong. And so he's really unpredictable and people don't take him seriously and they all just kind of think he's a fuck-up. And I kind of feel like that's how people treat Todd in the show. hmm I hope Todd becomes a series regular. It's time. Come on. That's all I, that's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> Is Adam DeMarco to have a reliable job? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he appreciates that. (laughs) He's so good. Like, I just even, I just like him as a person as well. Like, he's great to follow on social media. (laughs) He's a funny, he's a funny human. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about Todd. We've talked about, oh, you know what we haven't talked about? Frankie. Or the bad news bear. I love Frankie. <laughs> yeah, so that guy's on you also, which is Sarah's yeah. other show. And he also plays a, a funny character, but they, they are a little bit different. And this character, Frankie, I just thought he was so perfect. 
his comedic timing is just amazing. It's incredible. And his something about like I don't know if it's the like prosody in his voice, but his delivery is is just really, really there. And the things they wrote around him too, that scene where the pigeon delivers the yes. sandwich. <laughs> they are all so just like, what the fuck, Frankie? Like <laughs> Julia's Julia like grabs Julia puts her hand on Quentin's thigh and Quentin's like making this crazy face. <laughs> and he just asks Quentin, do you want the sandwich? And he's like, yeah, but what the fuck? It's because Quentin is the exact opposite of him. Like, true. He, like, he's like literally the, um, the fucking Neville Longbottom of the show. Like, why is it always me? Like, Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. The very Eeyore, like, <laughs> I think though, um, there's something I was thinking when I watched it the the last time around. The idea that like his that Frankie's the idea that Frankie's discipline is luck. I think it's really fascinating the idea that someone's discipline could be luck. And in a lot of ways, I think, right, like I have come to equate luck with privilege in a lot of ways, right? Like the things that happen to Frankie or that happened to um, Penny and Katie when they are sort of in possession of his luck are um, the kinds of things that you, that I think about a lot when I think about like white guys failing up (laughs) and (laughs) just like everything good happens to them. There's nothing that can touch them. I'm like very curious as to like, how did, how did they realize this was his discipline? Like, (laughs) like what did it take to get there? Like, and like, how is like, how is he actually doing the spell? Like, what is he doing to like take it and put it in an object, and then the bad luck into a bear? Like, and I just love <laughs> how pitiful the little bear looks too. It's like gray and just all like. <laughs> Linear has a teddy bear um, that he's had since he was like a little kid, um, whose name is Teddy. It has Teddy embroidered across its. <laughs> overalls and it's it's falling apart so much and it honestly like I think if you ever successfully washed that thing you would find that it, it's like 12 layers of dirt <laughs> there's this deep. person there's this person on like Facebook or something that like will take a teddy bear and wash it and like basically make it anew for people like, and they'll, like, restuff it, like, get new buttons and, like, make it look exactly how it used to look when it was brand new. It's crazy. I should do that for Lanier sometime. But I, I have, like, I have sewn Teddy up a few times. I have, like, done some mending, some minor mending on him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the the bad news bear made me think of because Teddy is so <laughs> – he's so put upon at this point. He's been – you know, dragged around half a dozen different states over the course of 30 years, probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and Lanier is like a a weirdly lucky person. Uh, I think maybe Lanier's discipline is luck. (laughs) I, I have like really bad luck for a lot of things, but I actually have pretty good luck when it comes to winning like raffles and things like that. Or um, those stupid games that you can play at, like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. Like, the ones that are, like, hit the jackpot. Like, I'm really good uh-huh. at that stuff. <laughs> um, so, but nothing ever, like, it's not like I ever win anything crazy. It's usually just, like, random shit. Um, like, I've won a couple backstage passes before to, like, things. That's pretty good. I'm never going to, like, win a lottery, I'm pretty sure. Like, <laughs> It's always just like those little things that like you don't have to write off on your taxes. <laughs> I feel like with luck, I am luck and skill both. I'm woefully inconsistent. Like I can be, I play pool with friends at work sometimes and I'll have games that are just amazing. And then I'll have games where I don't hit a single ball for like 20 I times mean, in a row. <laughs> you've witnessed how bad I am at pool, but. <laughs> <laughs> so that's most of what I have. But there was one thing that I just wanted to bring up. It's so small, but I really love the scene where they're all trying to recover their phones. And I, it, to me, How did I, they have their old phones, though? They didn't. I think they were doing, like, the the data recovery, so you can, like, put in your old number, like, when you lose your phone. 
Oh, okay. And I, the reason I like it is just that it's it's such a great little world building moment. This is a show where it, it's urban fantasy, and so much of the point is that you know magic doesn't solve all your problems, and that you can sort of be in this world and have access to magic and be able to do all these amazing things and still get stuck with a lot of the boring and mundane and frustrating shit of life. And what I love about that scene is that they're all clearly bored and frustrated and like, why the fuck do I have to deal with this? And it's, it's just a beautiful moment for that, for like building the world of this show, which is so, yeah, it's, it's, I just found it delightful. I was like thinking, sitting there thinking though, I was just like, you know, they're themselves now. <laughs> Are those former selves just like completely erased? Are they gone from existence? Does anyone remember these former they do. people? <laughs> there have been a couple things though, right? Because in the last, ep- at the end of the last episode, there's that conversation between Katie and I think Penny, 23, where they're talking about remembering their former lives. And then there no, was. No, not that they don't remember them, but do other oh, people, do other people. remember them? Yeah, like, because it was an elaborate spell, or... I would assume so. Like, you know, like, Janet's assistant, like, like, Janet's just no longer in being anymore. What happens to Janet's assistant? Or was it just, like... Who's editing that magazine? reality. (laughs) That's a really good question. That is a really good question. (laughs) I wonder if we'll... I wonder if we'll see that at some point. That would be really funny if there was, like, a newspaper article about um, all these people going missing, or... (laughs) about the magazine being taken over by her assistant. (laughs) There's actually, like, a lot of really good quotes in this this episode, Mm -hmm. though. Just, like, just one-off lines. Just so many. Yeah, you have one written down, um, Julia not taking fog shit. Um, To be clear, you put the targets on our back. That's a good one-liner. She was so pissed, too. She, like delivered it just like mm-hmm. and he's just like oh shit um mm-hmm. i loved when marino is calling the monster toxic masculine behavior mm. and then, then the other one is well i have the you guys are too lawful good to bitch out because i just i thought that was such a such a marina thing to say <laughs> that one is great it's the one about with Josh and Margo. Margo's just like asked him if he had nut sacked out. And he just like and she's like, oh, like pussied out is, yeah. is so much more. <laughs> and then she said, unless you start acting like a real pussy and take one for the fucking team. Yes. <laughs> so good. I was just like, yes, tell them, girl. I do really like the idea of them together. I hope I'm not wrong about that. <laughs> I'm like 99.9% sure that they're a thing. Like, I, I know I've read it somewhere. Yeah. And I did like when Santa was like, for what it's worth, you're still on my nice list before he like boops out. Aww. Because <laughs> it's just like, I, I feel so bad for Alice. Yeah, no kidding. Like, no one fucking deserves that. Like, yeah, she... She fucked over everyone. But at the same time, Fog's really the one that fucked them over. Because it, it doesn't really matter what she did. Well, she did destroy it. But. Yeah. But, like, what was going to happen anyways? Like, would they have even been successful? Yeah, unclear. But I think, I mean, she's going to carry guilt. She's she's Alice, so she's going to carry that guilt with her forever. That's true. I... I'm kind of sad. I feel like we haven't really gotten much of her in the last three episodes. It's kind of like like a few bits here and a few bits there. She was kind of a lot in the first episode of the season, but the second and the third, she's more sidelined. And I'm pretty sure it's Penny 40 that grabbed her at the end of the episode. Ah, I was wondering about that. That would make sense. I'm pretty sure it's Penny 40. So... I I think that we're probably going to, I think that most of the season is probably going to be like that for her. Like, we're going to see bits and pieces of her 
We might get one episode that is more intensely her, but I think for the most part, we're going to see her arc get spun out slowly over time. Mm -hmm. And you had a question in your notes, which was on my mind too, about um, whether this is sort of the beginning of her turning into Cassandra. Like if that's a thing, if, if, if is she going to be Cassandra? Are they two separate entities? Are they going to meet each other? Yeah. Yeah. And I think her going to look for their books in the um, in the restoration room or whatever it is, um, that seems like the kind of situation where she could end up getting herself stuck in that position, right? They are filling in the rest of their stories. If she wants to stop that or if she wants to change that or have any kind of relationship with it, one really easy way to do that would be to take over the writing of it. Um, yeah. Or, right, th- didn't they say that she started doing that because there was some, I can't remember how Cassandra ended up doing that. Like, I, I think that some catastrophic event happened. I know there was some relationship to the Great Blank Spot, but I don't remember the details. I kind of wonder if she might be, if she might be the one who destroys whatever it is that normally does that, normally does the filling in the blanks. Hmm. And if that's how she ends up getting sucked into that position. Maybe. Okay. I think I've covered most of the things that I wanted to cover in the episode. Anything else you want to get to? Um, I think the only other important thing would be to talk about the scene with uh, Quentin and Julia at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. How... Um, I'm pretty sure, like... I mean, they make it pretty obvious that Quentin's dad is, has died. At this point. Yeah. Which is what happens in the third book. It does. And the thing is, is like, I always found it very interesting that they have made Quentin's relationship with his father so different Mm -hmm. than from the book. Have we met his mother yet? Nope. We haven't. I didn't think so. I I think that'll be a really interesting story. I mean, Quentin's dad's death in the books is such a big thing for him. It changes so much about how he sees the world and so much about how, how he works magic. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if it has the same effect on him in the show. Yeah. I'm curious as to if potentially Quentin gets his godlike powers in this Mm -hmm. season. Because I feel like that could potentially stop the monster that is inside of Elliot. Um, I'm glad we're getting to do an episode to ourselves because it's getting me even more excited about the season. There's so many things that I think we just don't get a chance to talk about when we have a guest on. Yeah. Okay. Um, Fashion. Fashion. I have a lot of fashion notes. First of all. Really? I didn't have that many because there's really not that many new looks. Well, so some of it is just looks that I don't think we have properly appreciated. So we see we're seeing more and more um, librarian chic this <laughs> season, um, and I just want to say how much I love all the librarian outfits. Um, they're just very 1940s, 1950s, and they actually I'm I've been learning to sew um, recently, and they remind me there's a there's a whole pattern line that's Vogue patterns. And Vogue Patterns has a lot of, like, um, sort of vintage patterns from that time period. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, like, some of those dresses look very, very, like, a lot like some of the Vogue 1940s patterns that I've seen and that I want to make all the, like, structured wool skirts and dresses and the super dapper suits. That would be rad. I said, like, I'm excited to see... Penny 40 again when that happens because his mm-hmm. he looks really good in a suit. He does. <laughs> Actually, speaking of people looking good in a suit, Josh. I mean, I know it's been Josh Isaac for like three episodes he's been wearing a suit, but I feel like we haven't called that out yet. And Trevor, Trevor looks good in a suit. Just feel like he we does. should appreciate that. Let's see. Other, other fashion things. Um, Katie and Penny's heist disguises are just fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the fucking mustache. Yeah, the Mario outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
He looks like he's like wearing like a MAGA hat or something. <laughs> oh no, don't say that. Arjun will never come <laughs> on the show again. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like they were just trying to get into the character of like privileged, <laughs> privileged people. I thought they were trying to get into the character of Mario. <laughs> 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 just need to give him a pipe. Uh, <laughs> speaking of like related like 1940s, 1950s library things, all the pneumatic tubes. Sorry, I'm done. I just <laughs> very much reminds me of the movie Brazil, if you've ever seen it. Oh, I don't think so. Okay, so Brazil is a Terry Gilliam movie. He's one of the um, Monty Python guys. Okay, yeah. And it's it's like a kind of 1984-ish world, except for surreal and bizarre so like the the main character works in an office where he's doing something and like every every, they have all communication by pneumatic tubes and I don't remember a ton about it I remember the pneumatic tubes and I remember that at one point there is a woman sitting on his bed entirely naked except that she's wrapped in a giant red satin bow anyway go see it but Brazil it, like a lot of the library stuff reminds me very strongly of Brazil. So it probably is intentional. Probably. Okay, you should talk about Julia because I had a note that I like Julia's outfits, and <laughs> that means you must have lots. It's very different than like she was dressing before, and I'm just thinking like her style has evolved ever since becoming a full fledged goddess. Um, mm. She wears way lighter colors. Um, she still does the whole like tucked in like high waist, but she they were kind of more like slacks than they were like skinny jeans like they used to be yeah it's it's almost like she feels a little more like her fashion feels a little more grown up yeah she's wearing a fucking ascot though which is super weird (laughs) i mean not that i mind too much i thought it looked nice but it was just like what the fuck (laughs) yeah my note was also that i really like I, I love that she's staying in the lighter colors. I mean, Kimber wore a lot of lighter colors, so I wasn't sure if it was, like, from that or from her sort of goddessy thing. But it suits her well. It's probably a little bit of both, I'm assuming. Yeah. Same with Katie. Like, her her outfits changed as well, and, like, her makeup was done differently. Mm-hmm. She, like, was wearing a blazer at the end of the episode, and... I'm I'm feeling like she might be trying to evolve kind of more into Sam because I feel like mm-hmm. she really liked being Sam. Yeah, well, and I think we see that, right? Like her whole I'm going to take charge bit at the end of the episode is I think also part of that. It's about her trying to hold on to the things that she liked about being Sam, about mm-hmm. having her life together in that way, not being so passive. Yeah. Um, the other, I only have two other fashion notes. One is that Dean Fogg looks a little disheveled. Um, I noticed that his tie is tied looser than usual. Cause now I'm always going to notice his ties after, <laughs> after Rick telling us that, uh, that's yeah. his sort of like his tell, his Easter egg. And there are also more wrinkles in his shirt and suit than there are usually. And I, like, I think a lot of these things, right. They could be just about the sort of psychological evolution but they're also all of them also have a little bit of a reflection of the the people that they were before they were deglamored. So Dean Fogg was Marina's homeless father beforehand. Um yeah. so he was also a little disheveled. Um and I think I like that ambiguity of not knowing whether it's coming from that previous character or whether it's something that comes from within the character. Uh, we've always known. Unlike Quentin, though, Quentin's still dressed on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Quentin's always going to be a sad sack. <laughs> well, I liked what uh, Linear said about his clothing, so. Oh, Quentin's boring-ass wardrobe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for context, listeners, um, my package from the Magician's production staff arrived today um and danny and i got the same thing and it was really sweet it was they were um these little branded season four magicians um like portable speakers uh but i I was texting with my husband and he was pretending that he'd opened it and um he said 
It's just a whole bunch of Margot's eye patches, to which I freaked out because obviously that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> and then I freaked out at him because I was like, I had to pull over while I was trying to drive home so I wouldn't freak out on the road. <laughs> He's like, and then he wrote back, I should have fixed something less cool. Talking humble drum poops, partially chewed carrots from the Munchak rabbits, Quentin's boring ass wardrobe, burnt CD of DJ Hansel's last set. That would have been amazing. <laughs> and then the last one he said was a lock of Todd's hair. And then in parentheses, though, you'd probably be good with that last one. <laughs> I don't know, Danny. Would you want a lock of Todd's hair? We could make like a voodoo doll and like <laughs> make things happen. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Adam, please don't listen I'm, to this episode. I'm not that weird. <laughs> like that would be like reminiscent of the fucking shrine that Helga has on Hey Arnold of Hey Arnold himself. You're you're testing my memory of Nickelodeon cartoons from my You childhood. can't like there's no way you can't remember that. That shit was I don't insane. Anything. <laughs> I mean I remember it was like a weird and cool show. I don't remember any details. Oh, okay. It's it's, it's fucked up. <laughs> Last fashion note that I have was just that Marina's dress is hot as fuck and that's all. Marina looks good all the time. <laughs> True. My only other note is just Bacchus always looks ridiculous. Like he's like a oh, rave yeah. kid on crack. And it's <laughs> yes. pretty great. Which is why he's friends with Josh. True. Okay, MVP. I'm going to start this time since you called me out. <laughs> you, <laughs> you always, always make me do it first. first. Um, so it's another episode with a lot of great performances. And a part of me wants to give it to the actor who plays Frankie because I know I'm probably not going to have another chance. Um at the same time, I also feel like this season so far has been like the season of Hale, and yet I haven't given an MB- MVP to him, and I feel bad and guilty about that. But for this episode, I think I got to give it to his summer, because the look on her face when the monster touches her, I, I feel like I've never fully understood in like books when people are like, she looked nauseated or something like that, but that is the look of someone who looks nauseated when they're like not actually going to throw up. Mm-hmm. So I think that whole scene was amazing. And then her speech to Josh, it was just phenomenal. So Summer is my MVP. Now, your turn. It's a good one. Um, so I do want to, we have been referring to the actor as just Frankie. His name is Zach Cherry. <laughs> right, um, thank you. He's going to be very famous one day, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> for me, it was really, really hard. Like, I always want to give it to, like, Hale just because he's so amazing. Um, but I was like pretty torn between Jason, Stella and Trevor. Mm. I thought Trevor was really great in his scenes with Summer, Mm. calling her out and, and everything. And just his scenes with Bacchus. He had to have more emotional depth this episode than he's had to have in the past. Yeah. And then Jason was really great with his emotional scenes and having to have like this ridiculous bad luck. Uh, it was very comedic, and Stella was also on fire with her scenes. Uh, she had great comedic timing as well, and which is great because I feel like we actually haven't seen the actors have a whole lot of comedic timing. And she was great when she told off Dean Fogg. So I think for me, it was probably a tie between Jason and Stella. I- I'm gonna use Margot's line on you. Don't nutsack out. You gotta pick one. <laughs> pick one. <laughs> Pussy up and take one for the team. <laughs> you always cop out on me. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> if I had to choose one over the other, it would probably be Jason, just because he was really great with pulling both punches, being emotional, but also being really funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scene of the snake was... <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love how you got a fucking paper cut. from a paper towel that barely even grazed his finger and it was gushing blood (laughs) someday someday in our lives one of us is gonna get a paper cut from a paper towel and we'll think back to this moment yes (laughs) it's true i get i get cuts on me from like the most random shit so i'm never surprised by anything (laughs) all right ratings uh you want me to go first for this one too sure all right. I'm giving this a 9 out of 10, but I feel dumb about that because we're still so early in the season. But it it was I liked this episode. I legitimately think this was a better episode than either of the first two, and I liked those episodes a lot. 
Um, the things that I loved, um, first of all, main action was a heist. And I just think this writing staff <laughs> does an amazing job at writing heists. And this act, like the, these actors are really good at it. Um, Katie was great in the first heist. She's great in the second heist. And then on top of that, we got to see Quentin playing push with a bunch of really great touches from the books. Josh and Margot helping each other through some seriously dark shit. And we got to see Quentin and Julia bro TP out, which we barely even talked about <laughs> in this episode. And then on yeah. top of that, we have like Frankie with the birds and the sandwiches and the OMG. Um, but yeah, we're still only three episodes in, so I'm giving it a nine. And clearly I'm just as fucked this season as I was last season. Your turn. Inevitable. Um, I give it a 7 out of 10. Like, what? although I thought it was fun, I didn't think it was very meaty. It definitely felt like a filler episode compared to what we've seen so far. And um, what we know is coming. But there was only a couple things that I felt like really drive the season forward. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like episode 3 is usually really, really big on this show. So I was actually pretty disappointed. That's true. This wasn't a Alice sniffing out or a, um, what was it, last season? I don't know. Four was the one where Penny died last season. Yes. Well, technically he died in episode three. Oh, right. But four is the one where we got, like, Hyman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. So you're less fucked than I am, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I already gave... Two eights, yeah. No, I think I gave like a 10 out of 10 to a two. Did you? I think. It was either a nine or a 10. Uh, I don't remember anymore. That was the first episode we recorded. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that takes us to the end of it. Any last words before we close out? There was one more quote that I thought was hilarious. And it was the description of Quentin being a squirrely little human friend. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Good note to end on. All right, (laughs) listeners, thank you so much for joining us again this week. We love hearing from you, so tweet your questions, comments, and fan theories to us at Physical Kids Pod or on Facebook at the same name. Um, And actually, I'm going to make a special request this week. Tweet us what the fuck you think is going on with, like, what it is, what you think it is that the monster pulled out of Bacchus. Because I really want to know what y'all are thinking there. I feel like I've been trying to wrap my head around this for too long and my head has just like gone up my own ass. So (laughs) help us out. (laughs) Yes. And I really want to shout out our, um, one of our followers, Spooky Spice. Yeah. I love Spooky Spice. She's great. Um, she always live tweets our, our episodes. (laughs) That's true. They're great. (laughs) I would would love more of that. If anyone wants to feel free to live tweet our, (laughs) our, our podcast because it's pretty entertaining (laughs) Sergio we're looking at you (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so yeah tweet us live tweet our episodes tweet us your fan theories tell us what you think is going on with the monster do you think we're going to get Elliot back I sure hope so and don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes Uh, the more positive ratings we get the higher we show up in search results which makes it easier for other fans to find us And that's just about it. So thank you. Bye. Bye. Mind slide. Fashion.